Welcome to the Wandering Bard Podcast. Hi, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. It's been a while, and I hope everyone's doing well in the wake of COVID-19. I've actually been activated with my Army National Guard unit, so I haven't really had time to make any podcasts. And I also lost three episodes of work when a laptop overheated and crashed. With that being said, I'm looking forward to getting back on the horse with the episode today. The song today isn't a very popular one. It's not at least one that I haven't really encountered prior to discovering it in like one of these old Irish songbooks. I have a bunch of them laying around. I just kind of like to have old music and music from various parts of the world just kind of sitting around. I think it adds a cool aesthetic to the room that I practice in. And I kind of tell myself for a rainy day, I'm going to go through all these books and learn all the music that's in them. Now, these books are kind of interesting, especially if you don't know the song. A lot of times it'll just be like a lead sheet, which is lyrics and a chord, and maybe you'll have the melody in there. And that's what, what this one was. So what drew me to it, because I didn't know the song already, the melody or anything, was the fact that it mentioned Clare, and Clare is the county that I go to every year to study music. So I kind of feel a bit of a personal connection with the county. It has a bit of a unique fiddle style that I have found myself adopting. The name of the song is Clare's Dragoons, and to find the melody, there's really not many recordings out there. I could only find one or two, and the main one that I found was a group whose name was, I believe, Nakasida, and I believe that's a Gaelic for the Cassidies. They are a traditional Irish group from County Donegal. The name of the album that the song is on is called 1691, and it's kind of a, a very vocal, harmony-centric version of the song. It's kind of like a very old war chant, something you would hear before you were going into a battle or something like that, or like a, an old regiment's fighting song. And normally with these, these fight songs, you know, the, the college alma mater songs and these units mottos and things like that there's always a degree of cheesiness that kind of comes with them and this one definitely has a element of that in it but i think it transcends a little bit it kind of stands on its own and even if you're not from county clare or if you weren't a dragoon in a former life that you'll appreciate this song so first i'm going to kind of start at the basics here like what what was a dragoon and i saw two explanations of what a dragoon was it's pretty universal that they were a type of mounted soldier. They were somewhat reminiscent to cavalry, and different countries would use them in different capacities. So some countries use them just like cavalry. What they would do, they would be responsible for recon and things like that. But what was more common was that they were just regular foot soldiers that had horses to move around on. So you could position them more quickly so they would move by horse to the battle but then when they got to the battle they would dismount and the dragoon name it comes from either i've seen this two two different ways a type of firearm that they used that kind of was reminiscent of a french blunderbuss which was kind of the old pirate weapon if you've seen you know pirates of the caribbean or, or any old pirate movie but I've also seen it described as that they looked like dragons on the battlefield because as they fired their firearms, there was all this smoke pouring out from their position. So it was like fire, uh, fire-breathing dragon kind of deal. Dragoons were most common in European armies, but they were used across the world. I didn't see much reference of them in like Asia and the Middle East, but they were definitely used in Europe, South America, specifically Peru and Brazil, and even the United States had some dragoons too. 
They were most common in the 16 to 1800s, but as recently as 1960, the Portuguese army used dragoons in their war with Angola. And what happened was they actually did not have a standing dragoon army prior to this conflict, but because of the nature, the guerrilla nature of the warfare, they kind of had to adapt. So they created this experimental horse platoon or group of soldiers, and they gave them like a contemporary rifle and an automatic pistol to fire from horseback. And this gave them a huge advantage because there was some really high grass in this region and being on horseback allowed them to see farther than the enemy that they were fighting. It also had a huge psychological impact on the guerrillas that they were fighting because they had never seen soldiers on horses before. So a lot of times they would flee the area and then what they ended up doing was the Portuguese army, they would have helicopters or aircraft be waiting as they kind of chase the guerrillas and the guerrillas would be caught between the two, the dragoon forces and the helicopters. I don't know much about this conflict. I'm just kind of giving this as a anecdotal use of contemporary use of dragoons. I was actually in a cavalry unit for a couple years and they're organized a little differently. Instead of companies, they have troops. Instead of battalions, they have squadrons. But even though dragoons were often used very similar to cavalry and they had a lot of uh, crossover, they were organized more like normal foot soldiers. So they had like companies and brigades. Now, one place that they did resemble cavalries is that instead of having buglers like a normal infantry group might have, they actually had drummers. And again, this differed from place to place. Like for example, in the United States, the dragoons, they actually had two buglers instead of a drummer. Dragoons have an interesting perception depending on the time and the region that we're looking at them in. So sometimes they might be considered like kind of like an elite level force or a position of honor, but I think more typically they were kind of looked down upon a little bit. In the US specifically, I read several anecdotes that said they were treated as second class soldiers. And I also saw where they were often used in non-military ways. So for example, in an attempt to intimidate Huguenots, Louis XIV, he would kind of make families in France house these soldiers. And a lot of times they were, they were ill-disciplined. They were kind of the stereotypical, let's go out and get drunk and, and fight. And they kind of were used knowing that they would do this in a way to get people to leave the area that they were being housed in. And just to clarify, the idea of barracks isn't something that has existed for a, an extremely long time. Oftentimes, instead of a standing barracks where all the troops would live, the families living in an area where the conflict was happening were required to house the soldiers. Eventually, dragoons commonly took more on an infantry type role, and the reconnaissance things that they did were passed on to different types of troops, like hussars, for example. So if you go back and listen to the podcast about the wounded hussar, this might add a little context to that. The very first reference I heard to this type of troop was in the 1620s. They were allegedly invented by a man named Count Ernst von Mansfeld, who is apparently one of the greatest German military commanders ever. In an attempt to make his foot troops more mobile, he created what was referred to as an army volante, or French for flying army. Okay, so I feel like we've sufficiently covered what dragoons are. Now we need to set the specific scene for Claire's dragoons. This was during the time of the Jacobite era, 
and it's a huge, huge topic in history, especially in the history of this part of the world. It's the early, early 1700s, and I'm just gonna give a, a very brief overview. I'm not gonna touch on every part of it or all the little intricacies of it, just trying to set the scene again. The basics is that you had the standing king, who was King James II, and basically he went into exile after the Glorious Revolution. And there was a lot of reasons for this, but when he left, you basically had two schools of thought. You had people who said that the king has basically given up his claim to the throne because he has abandoned it. And then you had another side that said, well, the monarchy is essentially established by God, so it's not possible for him to give it up. It's not up to him. And the people who stayed loyal to the king because they said that the king was ordained by God were like the Scottish and the Irish. These were the, the Jacobites, which you've probably heard if you've been watching the show Outlander or you've heard of the Jacobite rebellion. It's, it's an extremely popular topic for this, for this time period. And the word Jacobitism comes from Jacobus, which is the Latin version of James. I've always, always wondered where, where that name came from. So King James leaves, and basically the English, they install a new king, but the Scottish and a, a large part of the Irish, they say, this is an illegitimate king. We do not recognize him. And I kind of see some parallels with the American Civil War a little bit. I'm not trying to get super political here, but, you know, this war or this idea of Jacobitism, it, it had uh, many reasons. Like, everyone typically points to the abdication of the standing king, and the installation of the new king as the primary reason, but there were also some ideas of religious tolerance and just how far-reaching the king's power should be. Like, a lot of people who advocated for Jacobitism, they actually wanted more of a parliament-type situation instead of just a king who kind of blanket-ruled. There was also ideas of Irish independence and reversing some land settlement laws that had existed prior to this. So like I said, it's a, it's a very tricky, interwoven, historical topic. Eventually you have something called the Treaty of Limerick that gets signed, which is basically an agreement between the installed king that the English put in and parties siding with the Jacobites. And one of the elements that were contained in that treaty is basically something that created the Flight of the Wild Geese, which is basically the Irish Jacobite armies under the command of this guy named Patrick Sarsfield. They go from Ireland to France, which is where the king who left has been hanging out this whole time. And this term, Wild Geese, it basically is intended to refer to Irish soldiers in the service of another country. Now, apparently this is a very divisive topic. I'm kind of broad strokes trying to convey the general idea of what they were here. But in this time period, uh, 16 to 1700, you had 120,000 Irishmen that were killed and wounded in the service of these other countries. You had a gentleman named uh, Sir Charles Wogan who wrote a letter to this guy, Dean Swift, who says, I cannot but highly esteem those gentlemen of Ireland who, with all the disadvantages of being exiles and strangers, have been able to distinguish themselves by their valor and conduct in so many parts of Europe, I think, above all other nations. He's basically saying that no matter where they go, the Irish soldiers are always the best. While not necessarily specifically relevant to Clare's Dragoons, I think it's worth mentioning for at least 
historical context that the person who replaced King James during this period of time was King William the Orange. He was known mostly for being a Protestant during this time period, but also he kind of ruled jointly with his wife Mary, which was fairly unprecedented for the time. Much of the Jacobite cause revolved around assassinating him so they could reinstall the king that they thought was the rightful heir to the throne. And this is the person that Claire's dragoons were actually fighting against. So just because of this treaty, you know, they were forced to leave Ireland and go to France. They didn't give up the cause. They still believed in this. So they continued to fight. The original name for Claire's dragoons was actually O'Brien's regiment, which was named after a guy named Daniel O'Brien, who was a third viscount in Clare. I couldn't find much about him, but if you listen to the song, there's a line that says, our colonel comes from Brian's race. And so even though maybe this wasn't a notable historical figure, he was at least thought highly enough of to make it into a song. Initially, there was a whole brigade of dragoons that were formed in France during this time period. It was about 5,000 men, but two of the regiments, they did not really perform very well. So they were disbanded and the men from those elements were actually rolled up into the standing ones. And the Clare Regiment was actually one of the ones that performed well and stood the test of time. They stuck around and they fought in this Nine Years' War. Now this regiment was around for a while, but its lineage kind of is hard to trace because it keeps changing names. So while it was like the, originated from the same group of people, it eventually became known as Monk's Regiment of Foot or Lloyd's Regiment of Foot, Pierce's Regiment of Foot. It changes names like 10 times and it kind of eventually goes away in 1737. You could make an argument that it hung around until 1775 because of the way that some of the names of the different companies diverged and belonged to different people, but you know, kind of late 1700s, the Claire's Dragoons is no more. So it's really interesting, you know, this group, they, they, they didn't have a ton of battles that they were involved in. There weren't like heroics all around, but they have this song like, you know, they're the ones that we know of even just from this other regiment of dragoons. Like what happened to the other two regiments? Where are their songs? Maybe they're floating out in another Irish book somewhere. I just need to, to buy more of these little books and then I'll find the, the songs for the sister dragoon regiments. So about the song, it was written by a man named Thomas Davis, who was alive in 1814 to 1845, and he came from County Cork. He was a poet and a patriot and kind of wrote some other songs like this that were, were very patriotic. What was really interesting is he actually has a couple pretty well-known other compositions to his name, one in particular, The Lament for Owen O'Neill, which is a pretty cool air. And then he also wrote the song A Nation Once Again, which is a pretty popular song as well. The opening line of the song makes mention of a place called Romele, and it says, on, on Romele's bloody field, the baffled French were forced to yield. Now this place was, there was actually a, the, the French were defeated pretty definitively here by a group of Dutch, English, and Danish forces. They were pretty tactically outmaneuvered and it kind of took them by surprise, which kind of gets captured in the song. You know, it says the baffled French were forced to yield. This is exactly what happened. 
I wish I could get just a couple minutes with this guy Thomas Davis who wrote the song because there's some interesting lyrics that are in here, but they're kind of hard to decipher. So the chorus, uh, there's actually two versions of the chorus. The first one says, Viva la for Ireland's wrong, Viva la for Ireland's right. So kind of like it's confusing, but my interpretation that it's like, you know, Ireland has been wronged. And he's first saying like, you know, because we were wronged, you know, we're, we're going to go into battle. Then it says, Viva la for Ireland's right. And then, so I see that as like, we have been wronged, so we're going to go into battle, and then we have a right to these things. So, you know, also that's why we're going into battle. So that's like one part of the chorus, but it kind of was confusing to me at first. And then the second part of the, of the chorus is, you know, Viva la the new brigade, Viva la the old one too, which to me is kind of, you know, kind of a standard line to include in one of these these battle songs like pay homage to the the people that came before us but now we're here and we're going to be just as good as them and then it says viva la the rose shall fade and the shamrock shine forever new and you know, anyone who knows anything about english and irish history knows that the rose represents england and the shamrock always represents ireland so kind of no explanation needed there the song talks a lot about this like specific battle um and the performance of Claire's Dragoons there. So the last verse, it says, the French expect some famous deed when Claire leads on his bold dragoons. And then it, it seems like the Colonel actually dies during the course of this battle. He says, our Colonel comes from Brian's race. His wounds are in his, his wounds are in his breast and face. The burn of Bogle is still his place. And the, I'm mispronouncing that for sure, but the burn of Bogle is like a gap or a place of danger. But it seems like, in spite of this great tactical loss at Ramele, the Dragoons, like, performed well, you know, they, no one could withstand them, you know, in their part of the battle. So maybe even though overall the battle went poorly for the French, Claire's Dragoons performed well, even though they lost their leader there. So I wish I really had some more specifics about Claire's Dragoons in particular, you know, sometimes you, you just catch these threads and chase the thread as much as you can, but then it just, it kind of goes away. And, and sometimes there's threads that really lead to a wealth of information. And sometimes there's, there's threads that just die off very quickly. I feel like with, with this one, I, I just got to an interesting place when I kind of I lost the scent of the trail, so to speak. But if you know anything about this topic or Claire's Dragoons or these battles or melee, I'd love to hear about it. I'm going to post this episode on Facebook. And uh, please feel free to leave some comments that might help us understand the song a little bit better. And with that being said, I'm going to play you my version of Claire's Dragoons. When on Rene's bloody field Baffled French were forced to yield Victor Saxon backward reeled For the charge of Claire's Dragoons Flags reconquered in that frame Thrown in the choir Spanish 
drop you the horse the hat night Saxon cavalier shall bite the dust before good clear shakes but never when our scores were set but never when our sabers met could we the Saxon soldiers get stand by the shock of Of such a breed, the French expects some famous deed when a clear leads on his bull dragoons. The colonel comes from Brian's race, his wounds are in his breast and face. The burner Barker is still his place, almost of his bull dragoons. So there you go. Thanks for tuning into the podcast today. I'm hoping with COVID-19 things kind of calming down, I'll be able to be a little bit more consistent. I do have like a quasi LP EP album out that's pretty much wherever you listen to music, iTunes, the Apple Music Store, it's on Spotify. I think it should be in the Amazon store as well. I use a company called CD Baby and they kind of like or the digital distribution company, and they kind of push it out to, to all these places. There's also a website called Here Now. So if you go to herenow.com and search Brandon the Watering Bar, you can find and download the music for free. I'm not so much worried about making money off of it as I am just kind of trying to put music out there and, uh, you know, the, the dreaded E word exposure, so to speak. So if you find it and you like it and you appreciate that an artist took the time to pay for recording and put it out there and let you download it for free, please either leave a review on this podcast or you can go to my Patreon page and I have some rewards and stuff that you can get if you, if you donate there. And then, you know, the Facebook and Instagram stuff, it is always really, really helpful to have people go to those different places and, and follow. So if you have comments or questions or concerns or anything like that, I am very accessible. I, I respond quickly on all these social media platforms. You can go to my website, you can email me, whatever you wanna do. I'm, I'm, I'm here to, to chat about music and anything else you might wanna talk about, so. <laughs> One other thing, I, I was featured on, a, on another podcast called Super Story Songsters. So check out that podcast if you get a chance. Basically, what the guy does is he has people contribute stories and then he kind of stream of conscious builds a song throughout the podcast. Sometimes he does it with people. Sometimes he just takes the story. Like I sent him a recording. Then he took the story and then made the song. He actually took a, a, a tune from the album I was just talking about and kind of made up lyrics based on the story or, you know, what he thought of Irish music. He's not an Irish musician, so it's interesting to hear him talk about it a little bit. So check out Super Story Songsters if you get a chance, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to. And as always... 
Be bold, be kind, and safe travels wherever your wandering takes you.